Hi, this is David Yaz at the Boston Podcast Network, hoping you are staying safe and healthy during this period of precaution over the coronavirus. It's difficult to connect with your clients and contacts in a period such as this, but here we continue to produce podcasts that allow you to connect with the people that you want to reach. You've got a rapt audience like never before. People are home, they're listening, and they're waiting to hear from you. We can create a professional podcast with a quick turnaround and do the whole thing remotely so you don't have to leave your home. Get in touch with us at pod617.com. From the Pod 617 Studios in Westwood, Massachusetts, it's the Boston Podcast with David Yaz and a rotating cast of characters from Pod 617, the Boston Podcast Network. This is our f***ing city. Good day, everybody. My name is Dave, and welcome to the Boston Podcast. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for subscribing on Apple Podcast and liking us. I do have an intense desire and need to be liked all the time. Don't we all these days? My goodness. <laughs> Think of how our hugs, hugs per day have gone down. They've plummeted these numbers. And I have a couple of guests today who know a thing or two about hugs because they take care of kids for a living, or maybe hugs are not allowed, or maybe I should not even go there. Anyway, um, the point is I have Charlie Marcotti and Marcy Lee here from First Learning Circle. They operate two child care centers in the Metro West area of Massachusetts. Let's welcome them to the virtual studio. <laughs> Hello. Hello. So we'll start with you, Charlie. How are you? How's your pandemic going? Um, you know, my pandemic is going about as well as could be expected. It, you know, it's a daily struggle to stay positive, but, um, you know, doing okay so far. Healthy, you know, that's, that's I guess, our focus. Right? So We're healthy. I'm just taking a survey. This morning I talked to someone who was quarantined with seven people in her home, which struck me as a huge huge number. Now I'm sure there are <laughs> yes. more. So Charlie, how, if you don't mind me asking, what's the head count in your, in your home? There's uh, five of us all together, Not including bad. my 91 year old mother. My goodness. Ooh, man. Uh, well, God bless you. Is she holding up? Okay. Yeah, she she's not worried. <laughs> All right. <laughs> what me worry? Right. And Mar Marcy, Marcy, how about you? What's the head count over there? Four. Okay. Two kids. Two kids, two adults. <laughs> not too bad. Any dogs? Yeah. Any dogs? Pets? Marcy? No, no. No. We have a dog. Yeah. You have a dog. Okay. I keep saying the dogs are the big winners because the dogs are are they're spellbound. They're like, why are these people here all the time? It's great. Right. I'm, <laughs> I'm There's a serious meme of a dog on top of the cabinet saying, "Please leave me alone. I've been for twenty walks already today." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Even the dogs are getting tired from all the walks because it's all that we yeah. can do. So this is apropos. I know there was a, a story in the Globe recently about the effects of the, the governor's order in the phasing in of reopening businesses and, and how child care centers may have been oh put kind of at the end of the list. But don't let me t t put words in your mouth. Charlie, why don't you tell me right away what um, the implications are for what the phase in rules are like and how it's going to affect your business? Well, right now, there's a lot of um, upset, both on the part of providers and of parents. Um, you know, childcare is one of those things that's not just another industry like the nail industry, which is very, very important. And I miss it very much. Um, <laughs> but, uh, it, it, you know, we, you know, we literally are the wheels on the bus of the economy. Um, and, we, and we enable uh, parents to get back to work. So, 
um, you know, it, it's not, we're not just another industry that's kind of waiting to hear, you know, we facilitate the economy in a way that, that other industries don't. And um, the, the governor has made, um, you know, decisions about childcare that are to reopen us um, possibly June 29th, but they're waffling about that. And mm. so right now we're struggling with a lack of clarity and so are families. We don't know what that date is. And Marcy, tell me, how did you react to this? And as a sort of sub question, are you hearing from parents and saying, God, we need, we need help <laughs> because we're, we're losing it over here. Probably not in those words, but Marcy, tell me what your reaction was. Absolutely. It's, um, it's definitely been challenging um, hearing about the June 29th and trying to figure out what, how that coordinated with May 18th, phase one, how were parents going to be able to go back to work who were part of phase one when they didn't have care available to them? And then, of course, you know, just emotionally, everyone is, is um, concerned and confused and they need, they need information. And we feel we've always been in a position where um, we feel very strongly about open communication and being transparent and letting parents know what's going on, preparing them for what's coming. We can't really do that if we don't have the guidance and the um, decisions being made by the state that can en enable us to move forward. And so we're all in kind of a holding pattern and everyone's concerned. Parents are hearing little dribs and drabs. They are still communicating with us because we're really active. We have a, a blog for our parents with circle times and videos and all kinds of interactions so they can keep um, you know, doing something with their children that, <laughs> that mm -hmm. still is part of our community. And, um, you know, so we're trying to provide as much help as we can. But I think the general mood out there is everyone feels like we're in limbo and waiting for somebody to make decisions that are going to have huge impact on our future. You say limbo. Some may say purgatory. Because, it's, mm. because it's, I mean, it just really is. I mean, we joke about this. and We joke about going stir crazy with the kids jumping on our heads and everything. My kids are grown, so I don't quite have that thing. But Right, but, as are mine, yeah. Yeah, but I do have a special needs child who's 21, and he typically would be at the Cardinal Cushing Center right now where he lived until, you know, a couple months ago, brought him home. And, um, you know, it's the, the, the concern that we had off the bat were the obvious ones. Um, we know that the, there are people who care about him at this facility, but are they appropriately set up for the, the distancing, the cleanliness, the whole deal? So, um, Charlie, I'll ask you, is, is it, are you convinced that you're ready to open now? And are you convinced that there are precautions you can take to, you know, properly protect everybody's safety? Absolutely. I mean, the, that's the one of the most frustrating um, aspects to this is that there are 33 states where childcare has been operating successfully throughout the pandemic. Mm. Um, and including in Massachusetts, the emergency childcare centers have been operating. Um, they've been serving families where infection risk would be higher, and yet that has not done anything to increase the spread. So um, the fact that, that we continue to be closed when there's all these protocols that have already been implemented and tested for two and a half months, and those things are like not, not allowing parents into the building, um, you know, increased hand washing. You know, childcare is one of those industries where infection control is what we do. You know, we, we 
on a daily basis, we're hi very highly regulated, um, you know, to make sure that, that infectious disease doesn't spread. So, but, you know, even, even with that basic, uh, you know, protocol, it's enhanced now, you know, there's, there's more disinfecting, the, the group sizes are smaller, there's no sharing. Um, so there's, you know, already in place throughout the country, you know, quite a few protocols that have been keeping children safe already. Mm. So yes, we're absolutely ready. Well, what of, and I, I'll switch over to Marcy again. So Marcy, what, what, what happens if some, someone does become under the weather or, you know, one of, one of the ch children you're taking care of, you notice symptoms and is there going to be a way to test them within short order? Is there, is there going to be a rule just to simply send them home or what would happen? Right. There, there have been really extensive guidelines that have been developed by the CDC and that are available to everybody. And we've already been working with those and trying to determine, you know, how to increase our, as Charlie was already saying, our health and safety measures. What are we going to be increasing? What are we going to be changing? Um, but the, the overlying issue, you know, as we've said, is that we have really strict protocols. And with the guidance from the CDC about what to do if there is um, a symptom, a, um, a, a confirmed case, testing, whatever, they have, they have really spread out the guidelines to give you um, very strict protocols of what to do. If somebody starts, um, you're going to have regular temperature checks, for instance, mm -hmm. throughout the day. If someone has an elevated temperature checks, there are very um, kind of straightforward protocols that you take. You isolate that person. Um, you immediately, they are immediately removed from the facility, then they are um, isolated for 14 days. You have sanitation and, and disinfection procedures that you do to the area. You do a minimal amount of contact tracing to determine, you know, how things have been spread already. And, you know, there's all kinds of isolation, disinfection, sanitization, and um, timelines given to, you know, someone needs to leave the program, what you need to shut down, what you need to take care of in order to be able to reopen that area and allow the person back um, to the program, whether it be a staff person or a child. So Marcy, given that, if you had had that protocol at the beginning of March, um, I don't know when that protocol came out, but I guess what I'm getting at is, was the stay at home business a mistake to begin with? Should they ever been sent home? I can't really respond to that um, because yes, I you can. It's a podcast. It's a podcast. <laughs> just, just, just talk out of your you know what. Everybody else does. I'm kidding. Go ahead, Marcy. I don't think that it was the wrong decision to close. Okay. I think that that was imperative. I think as a matter of public safety, and um, at that time, there we didn't know enough, and we didn't have enough information. Our concern really is the length of time that has now that was identified through to June 29th and this potential that it might go on even longer. Um, we just don't see the data to support that. It is, you know, we do not understand why um, childcare is being put in this position for this extended closure when um, other industries that do not have sanitization and disinfection and health and safety protocols, um, you know, if they're yeah. part of phase one, why wasn't childcare part of phase one? That's really where we're coming from. You know, I don't want to spend a lot of time looking back and Yep. saying what people did wrong and, and um, that they should have done this instead. We're trying to focus on what can we do now and how can we move forward. And, um, you know, where we are right now is 
Um, we'd like it to be earlier than June 29th, to be perfectly honest with you. We don't see that as a possibility. Uh, we've been pushing for that um, and trying to have a discussion about that, at the very least, a seat at the table to have our voice heard about um, that we think June 29th is too late. But mm. if it's June 29th, we'll deal with June 29th. But we need, just tell us when. <laughs> yeah. just right. need a commitment to that's the date so we can start moving forward. And um, unfortunately, the state and our state licensing agency has been very slow to respond and very slow to communicate. And that's um, that's been the death knell for a lot of programs that are really struggling right now. That's, um, yeah. yeah, very disappointing. And I imagine, and I'll direct this one to you, Charlie, that as the, the weeks go on, it must be get. I'm putting my myself in the shoes of the parents who don't have the benefit of your programs. Are you hearing from these parents? Are they outraged? I imagine for some, for some of them, I mean, it's, 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 it's quite possibly bankrupting them. Uh, that, that might be hyperbole, but you know, some of them may need to go to work and they're not able to do so. So yeah. yeah. yeah what do you, what are you hearing, Charlie? So, so actually we just got a letter this morning from one of our longtime families. Um, and this person is, is uh, not only a scientist, but she's a, a virologist and she studies COVID. Um, and she provided data that, uh, you know, childcare does not in, increase the risks of it. And she talked about the stress on her family of not only, you know, having to to juggle the childcare, but what ends up happening, and this is really one of the things that concerns us the most, what ends up happening is that families are um, either turning to older family members or they're hiring, you know, nannies who come into the house who don't have the same kind of hygiene um, and sanitation protocols that we have. And, you know, they're putting the older family members at risk and they're putting, you know, it doesn't make sense to us to have somebody come in from the community who doesn't necessarily have the same, you know, protocols outside in their life um, to, to keep them safe. And yet, you know, why does the state consider it it's okay for them to come into the house and take care of children there? Yeah, it's, man, it, it is, we could have predicted this, right? I mean, for the, for the first several weeks, there was sort of a nice spirit of we're all in this together, la, 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 yeah. <laughs> you know, wash your hands, wear your mask, we're all going to be fine. But, you know, it's the, the proverbial crap is starting to hit the proverbial fan because there's only right. so much a lot of businesses can take. Um, well, can I jump in too? Sure, there's yeah. another gotcha. that, um, that I've seen a lot of, um, you know, there's a lot of articles out about, you know, is it safe to reopen childcare? And, you know, parents have, you know, some real trepidation and I understand that. The problem is they don't under, they don't know that childcare has been open. 50% of childcare has been open and operating safely. So um, this extended closure you know, makes people gun shy too. Um, and, you know, what we hear from our colleagues around the country, we're part of a networking group, you know, we're in contact with over 300 centers around the, the, the world, actually. Um, but what we're hearing from our colleagues is that in other states that have been open all this time, they're, they're almost up to capacity. Um, you know, what we anticipate when we reopen, if and when we ever get to reopen, is, you know, a very slow start because because of this nature of fear that's been that's been, uh, in, you know, in, inflicted onto childcare unnecessarily. And I'm going to jump in, too, to say that um, one of the things that's been very concerning to us is there seems to be like kind of an underlying theme 
Um, and it's been mentioned a few times, whether it's Governor Baker at press conferences or um, um, just written statements that are coming out um, about group care, group care. There seems there's we're, we're very concerned as an industry that there seems to be kind of a tone and a tenure towards, um, you know, right. avoiding group care because that's somehow going to be dangerous for mm -hmm. children. And that's not supported by evidence. That's not supported by facts or science. And, um, you know, we've even heard that, you know, in Rhode Island, a neighboring state, that they're encouraging people to seek out private care instead of group care. You know, and that's that's not <laughs> that is that is not <clears throat> to to us. That goes beyond the pandemic. That you know, that's that's taking a position and uh, making a determination um, that it, you know there seems to be kind of a a, a movement, if you will, mm -hmm. towards uh, discouraging group care, um, and and that is extremely concerning. Extremely concerning to us. Yeah, and it's that. In general, you mean like at going forward, there there's this going to be this push. Is that what, is that what you're saying, Marcy? Yeah, yeah that's concerned. Yeah, that right. is uh, amazing to think. So the the I'll go back to you, um, Charlie. For the centers that are open, childcare centers that are open now, um, is it the case that there hasn't been a huge problem of outbreaks? And then, yeah, um, there has not. Yeah, that's it, what so the, the facts are. Okay, it would be all over the news if it were. I will sure. tell you that. Right. And are they wear are, the kids aren't wearing masks? Are they? Um, no, mostly no. Yeah. Um, so the CDC latest recommendations are that children three years and older um, who are able to put them put them on and put take them off without um, you know independently can wear them, but. Um, even in some places, the the staff aren't mandated to wear to wear masks either. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, mostly the kids are not because it's really hard to have a three year old have a you know mask on all day. Um, of course, yeah, it's hard for anyone to. I, yeah, right. I get dizzy after about a half hour in the supermarket. <laughs> I mean, I'm not getting they're 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 not fun. Um, Marcy, well, and as a person with glasses, you know, that's another whole issue. <laughs> me too. Me too. Yeah. Fog, fog is real. Oh fog is my real. goodness. Yes. Yeah, for sure. Marcy, tell me about some of the stuff you're doing online now. I know it's not the same, but are there, are there ways you can stay in touch and, and give parents a little bit of a, a hand as your outfit doing that? Absolutely. Uh, one of the things that we did almost immediately um, back, you know, this was March 18th, I believe, was when we um, when we closed. Um, it, we uh, put together a blog for our families where all of the teachers contribute daily material, um, whether it's a project that they're doing. Um, they all had to become much to their chagrin and dismay, mm -hmm. comfortable being videographers. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and taping themselves at home, but whether it's projects that we leave at the center that people can pick up um, in bins outside our program, uh, or um, this very active blog, we've actually garnered, I think, over 3,000 um, people who participate in our blog, obviously much beyond our parent network. Mm -hmm. um, our parents have shared it with other families um, to, to get it to that level. And it's a combination of, you know, circle times, um, reading stories, doing activities, projects, suggestions for parents, um, resources that they can um, seek out. Um, so our teachers have been, you know, providing content, you know, the, the, what we've asked them is to, you know, provide content daily. 
And um, it's been extremely well received and our parents have been, you know, very responsive and very, um, in fact, we just went kind of through a whole redesign with a questionnaire to them to say, you know, how is it going? What do you like? You know, what can we do more of? And, um, you know, we're really, really pleased that we're able to do that, but it still feels like just such a drop in the bucket. You know, we're, right. we're, we're so committed to trying to provide support and to be only able to provide limited support is how it feels. So we're doing the best we can. And our parents have been absolutely extraordinary and responsive and wonderful. Um, but you know, it's a drop in the bucket, as I said. Yeah. It's not used to what you're doing. And by the way, firstcirclelearning.com is where you go. Firstcirclelearning.com. I'm not going to spell it out. You people know how to spell. Um, if you want to <laughs> find, find out about uh, Charlie and Marcia and what they do, and please check it out. The website is excellent. And I take it the blog is right there on the website somewhere. Yeah. Yes. Okay. But it's only access for our parents. So I'm not, I'm actually not sure. Um, okay. So, it's not public. So stri- it's not public. Strike that, reverse it. Do not <laughs> go there. If you want the blog, parents, you can go, but you should go anyways and check out what, what they're, they're all about. See, you're, uh, I think you're spot on, Marcy, in that why not try to do some stuff for the parents during this period and for the kids? But yours is one business where, unfortunately, it, it's, it, it, like you say, drop in the bucket. There's only so much you can do. Technology, um, I predict, are, is going to get even better in terms of virtual communication. For childcare centers, it'll never be a replacement. But I tend to think of things like I, I feel for the grandparents during this period. You know, my parents um, uh, are pushing 80, and they would love nothing more than to just sit around with their grandchildren, you know, playing about. Right. What would what would be cool, and I predict this will happen eventually, that the, the TV, TVs will get bigger and more um, sophisticated, and eventually you'll have these huge, like, HD, like, basically walls where um, you can connect with someone else. And a grandparent, it might be nice for a grandparent to sit and just watch their kids play, simulate the idea of them being in the room as, as best you can, because you can't really yeah. do that on a Zoom call, because the kids, right. you guys would know, the kids... Oh, my goodness. They're Trying t- to do a Zoom call <laughs> with a preschooler. Yeah, yeah. Just run into the street and, you know, and there you scream. Go. Yeah, it just doesn't happen. Yeah, it doesn't happen. It's but it's extremely entertaining. If you've ever tried, <laughs> yes. I'll tell you, it's you know, it's better than reality TV. It is absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> it's like a it's like a game to try to get him to to focus for a sec. I mean, my, right. even my I I mentioned my my older son who has autism. He's he's not a fan of the Zoom. He just can't. He's just, he's, it's a, it's a flat, it's a flat out no from him. And so we do, yep. we do a call Sunday night with my parents and my cousins and whole extended family. We get, we get as many as a dozen to maybe even 18 people on the call. And the best I could get Adrian to do was to come and wave to the cameras. And <laughs> like, that's, that's what you call a cameo. Not his medium. Yeah. Right. That's what you call a brief cameo from Adrian. So, um, before we depart, we'll do a quick round of a segment we call Good Stuff. My guests are completely unprepared for this, so but don't worry. It's like going to the dentist. Sit back, relax in a few minutes. It'll all be over. I'm going to have you recommend some good stuff to cheer the spirits of our listeners during this pandemic. So let's do that now. Oh, that's the good stuff. Like I said, this won't hurt a bit. But Charlie, tell us, has there been some activity, 
something fun, enjoyable, or relaxing that has kept you going during this pandemic? Anything come to mind? Yes. Um, So we're, you know, we have two sites and one of the um, 1840s um, farmhouse Mm. uh, in Framingham. And it was under renovation um, before the pandemic hit. But um, since, you know, since we've been closed, um, the the construction workers have continued to work there because they've been shut out of other sites. So they keep working and many of them have said, you know what, don't worry about payment right now. We just, you know, we just want to keep going. So that's been great, but I've been going um, a couple of times a week and painting because it gives me um, time away from my family, which um, I really need. And um, as much (laughs) as I love them. And, um, but it also gives me a sense of progress because, and a sense of control. And those are the things, you know, that, that for so many of us, I mean, this is a, this is a a group trauma that we're all experiencing, you know, I mean, we're all grieving so much loss right now. Um, And, you know, trying to embrace a new normal, but we don't know what that new normal is. And we don't know what the future is. And, you know, that's a really scary thing. So for me, that sense of control, I can go in there, I can be by myself, I can listen to my um, you know, books on tape, and I can make something ugly, pretty. Um, you know, <laughs> that's been you know key to my mental health during this. Yeah, and painting the the process of it, I think, is therapeutic. I don't do it, but I can I can yeah. understand that you're you know you're creating something, like, or, or at the very least, you're making right. like you say, you're making something better. Right. Yeah, yeah, right. you are, and that's why I've been able to slowly understand why some people are going crazy with jigsaw puzzles, which I don't see the attraction at all. You people, I don't know what you're doing. It's <laughs> I'm the, doing it. You I'm are. Doing it. I'm oh. a puzzle person. Okay. I'm doing Van Gogh's um, Starry Night right now, <laughs> and it's uh, yeah, it's that must blowing be- my brain cells to smithereens. <laughs> yeah, that must be hard. There's a lot of pieces that are nothing but. Oh know. my god! Yeah, my t- I've taken <laughs> over the dining room table. No one gets to come in the dining room anymore unless they're participating in the puzzle yep <laughs> so all right so marcy has that been have did i just guess check out the brain on dave did i just guess your uh your therapeutic uh, coping device huge. yes okay yeah i okay. don't know i don't know why or how it's happened but yes i think I'm, I'm absolutely become obsessed with you know doing puzzles what's puzzles the, and games what's yeah. the um the top count on pieces that you will go we talking five hundred, thousand, or I don't know. I tend to go a thousand, a thousand, a thousand or under. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> right. I mean, you don't once you get up. <laughs> I once can't you, go beyond a thousand. My dining room table isn't big enough for more than a thousand. <laughs> well, yeah. Then you get then you get hooked, and then you just you you can't go back, and all of a sudden it's the you know it's the entire floor of of your uh, your home covered in jigsaw pieces. But <laughs> I do get it. I mean, because I can imagine that just the the simple you know. Um, What's the word? You guys would know this word. The fe- feeling, yeah. tactile, the tactile feeling of, yes. of right, yep. of, of putting one piece in when it fits. It means that this little bit of the universe makes sense right now because these two pieces yep. fit and you are creating something. Yeah. My version has been, I, I make silly, I make silly videos um, for these regular calls on Sunday that I mentioned that I share with my family. And sometimes they are just silly. I I did a a bit where I imagined various of my cousins and uncles, um, 
doing a screen test for the Star Wars movies. And so I had them imitating the stuff, which <laughs> I, I would share with you, but it wouldn't be as funny because you don't know my family's peccadilloes. But, um, <laughs> but or, you know, my brothers are both pretty good musicians. I'm a bad one, but we managed to, to virtually get together and combine on a song for my mom for, for Mother's Day. So yeah. that's that's been my contribution to creating things. Well, but um, everyone has... Well, may th- the force continue to be with you. and um, <laughs> Always. Yes, but I think you hit on the, you hit the nail on the head that a lot of it's about the instant gratification. You know, right. whether it's ch- painting for Charlie or whether it's finding that puzzle piece that fits. There's something about doing something where you actually accomplish. <laughs> yes. I mean, I think that during this time where we all feel so unsettled and so um, you know unable to move forward in so many ways, anything that shows progress or yes. um, achievement, you know, really takes on new proportions. <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. It's why so many people have taken up, you know, cooking because you yes. can, you create something and then you get to eat it and get even fatter. But, uh, I, I, <laughs> I, I, I broke out my seldom used French press for, for making coffee because that's a kind of a process that you have to, you know, you you know measure. And, and the problem is I stink at it and the coffee is not very good, but at least <laughs> I created something. Anyway, I, I remind you folks that um, Charlie and Charlie Marcardi, Marcelli, thank you so much for being here. The website, once again, firstcirclelearning.com. And I encourage you guys to stay in touch with me because I want to know when this thing gets resolved and you guys deserve some clarity. So I wish you luck. Will you, will you update me on this, guys? Absolutely. All and thank right. you so much for having us. This yeah, has been a great conversation. Pleasure. The same right back at you. You guys were fantastic. Thanks so much for joining me. And thank you all for listening to the Boston podcast. Subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts. If you'd like your own podcast, go to pod617.com to get started. If you'd like to be a guest on this show, no fee, no strings attached. Email me, David, at pod617.com. On behalf of Charlie and, and Marcy, who are sometimes known as Charcy, I lasted the whole show until I broke that one out. My name is Dave. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just a guy from Boston. But if you're not from Boston, you must be the other guy. Enjoy your day, everybody. Go do a puzzle or paint a, something or <laughs> paint a puzzle. Do something. Enjoy it. <laughs> Bye-bye. Bye-bye.